P-A-R-T-Y. Because she's Elsa Maxwell. It's Schmanners. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? <sighs> yeah? Surviving. Living every day. Is it weird to think that when people listen to this, it will be the future? The future? Maybe we'll have jetpacks and <laughs> self-driving cars. Why do you mention that? And gluten-free bread. What? Wait, we have gluten-free bread. And self-driving cars. And I bet somewhere. Where's my gosh darn jetpack? That's what I've always said. Where's my Laura Dern jetpack? Huh? <laughs> now is that a jetpack that sounds like Laura Dern or a jetpack that only Laura Dern can use? You decide. or one that she invented? Oh, yes. And if Patented. she patented, okay. Listen, I, we have. I know we're off topic already, <laughs> but if Laura Dern invented a jetpack and didn't call it a gosh darn jetpack, I'd be so mad. Okay. Okay. So why am I talking about it? Well, because when people hear this. It will be like two weeks from now, and I'll be in the middle of some ocean or other on the cruise. Oh, boy. Yeah. And you will be here with the wee babby dot, and I will be on the cruise with the toddler beebs, uh, the dread pirate beebs. <laughs> um, but that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about being separated from your one true love, and that's me to you. I mean, like, I'm your one true love, and you're mine. That's, you get it. You're my OTP. My no. one true pairing. Yes. Okay. Um, but that's not what we're talking about. That We're talking about Elsa Maxwell, which was suggested by... A listener. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to pull it up. I promise. You're never around when I need you. I'm never ready. Uh, what? <laughs> uh, sometimes I'm on a cruise. Sometimes I'm just not paying attention. Um, uh, who was suggested by a listener. And when Maz I read... Maz Selby. When I read the suggestion, I was like, huh, who? Mm-hmm. Huh, What? Um, and it would, it would seem that, um, my sphere missed her by, uh, by about 40 years. Oh, okay. How do you mean? Well, she, um, she left the world in the sixties. Okay. So. I assume you mean passed away and not like spaceship. <laughs> Jetpack. What? No. But without the proper <laughs> space helmet. Um, and so, uh, and unlike Emily Post or um, or Miss Manners, who who you know is syndicated across the world, and Emily Post has a kind of a family legacy at her institute, um, I I didn't know about her at all, and I was like, who is this? Who is this person? Um, and upon further inspection, I am flabbergasted that I hadn't heard of her. Oh, yeah. Um, because... I, and let me be clear. I also haven't heard of her. I know, like, one thing about her when I looked up her name, uh, and we'll get to that in a moment, uh, when it comes up appropriately. When it comes up appropriately. Because she was the ultimate hostess of her time for the rich and famous. She was literally the hostess. The... With ho- the most The mostest. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, so let's let's dive in. Shall Boosh. we? That's me jumping into a pool of splash. Um, 
looking at her. And we'll get to this later as well. You would not have expected that she would be hobnobbing, rubbing elbows with the rich and famous. Yeah, I saw a picture of it. She didn't look like she was dressed or like made up in like a super glamorous way or anything. And she was often described uh, quite fiercely as homely. Mm. Um, it is unfortunate, by the way, just in language, that the word comely and homely sound basically exactly the same, except one means beautiful and one means like kind of boring and unattractive. And I can never remember which one's which. <laughs> The homely one sure. is is kind of boring and unattractive. That's me. Don't describe people as homely. Well, I'm not describing No, I'm not her saying that. you are. That was, I know I was making eye contact others, with you. You're others the, describe would her Would you rather I make eye contact with Baby Dot and say, hey, don't call people homely, <laughs> no. Baby Dot? Okay. You just no. happen to be the only person in the room I can make eye contact with. I was talking about people at home saying, don't. Okay. Okay. Anyway, Maxwell was born in Iowa and moved to San Francisco Shortly afterwards. Oh, that's a big move. Uh, yeah, I mean, with her family, not yeah, by herself. Yeah, but I assume this is what? We're talking either super late 1800s or early 1900s. Mm-hmm. Right? When that wasn't like a super e- easy move to make. No, not yeah. super easy. But she didn't have to do it on her own as an infant. That's, that's very good. <laughs> and she would describe her childhood as this. And this is a, a direct quote. A short, fat, homely piano player from Cook. Excuse me, Iowa, with no money or background, who decided to become a legend. Well, that last part is similar to me. I never played piano, so. <laughs> um, but like a lot of things, she was known for embellishing. Yeah. Um, she wasn't quite no money, no background. Her father was not poor. He was a very successful insurance salesman and also worked as a Pacific Coast correspondent for the New York paper, the Dramatic Mirror. Ooh. So I know she, nothing about that because I was really like the name. It's a good name. Yeah, right. You got to reel them in with that name. The I headlines, know, right? you know, get them in. Um, I wonder if there was ever a paper that was just called like the like San Francisco Cool Kid paper. And I was like, I want to read the cool kid. Mm, you don't think so? Nah. Maybe you started by like a middle schooler. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Um. So she really wasn't a stranger to arts and culture, right? Uh-huh. I thought you were going to say arts and crafts. No. No. Um, and uh, even though they weren't A-list, right, uh, they did get invited to kind of like, I would say the B parties yeah. instead of the A parties. But her mother did often uh, claim that they weren't rich enough. Uh, so that was that was kind of a constant reminder where you know there was there was something more. Okay. She wasn't lacking, but there was something more that her that so she they was were always some, reaching they were like, for. They were between like the haves and the have nots. They were like the have sums. Yeah, right? they okay. were a have sums. In a 1941 interview, she said that someday I again quotes someday I would give parties, big parties, expensive parties to which no rich people would be invited. That is, of course, unless they happen to be nice people or talented people as well. Oh, okay. Well, I do notice that she says nice or talented, <laughs> not nice and talented. She was known for really mixing up the the guest lists, people yeah. like Cole Porter and the royal family, um, and uh, let's see, Marilyn Monroe, and, you know, 
all those people of the time. And maybe some not rich people too. Sure. Yeah, sure. if they were if they were nice or talented, it seems. Uh-huh. Um so what really seemed to be the catalyst to her her party planner lifestyle was when her dad died. And Okay. Elsa would say that on his deathbed, he told her, mm, that's a lot of he said, she said, but I understand, yes. quote, it won't be easy for you after I'm gone. You are plain and plump. And as time goes by, you'll get plainer and plumper. Wow. You can turn your looks into an asset because no woman will be jealous of you and no man will be suspicious of you. Here comes the looks. They're everywhere, aren't that, they? Hey, I'm just saying this. this poor that ain't woman. cool. That's not a cool thing to say to your daughter. Like, okay, all right. I think that it really just goes to show some people can be very mean, even yeah. to their family. Well, it was also, you know, I'm trying to remember, like, what, the 20s or 30s, where it was probably, like, just saying, like, you probably won't completely fail at what you do. It's like, <laughs> thanks, Dad. This is the best. So, in 1907, she moved to New York City with, again... This may be an exaggeration. Three dollars in her purse. Isn't that something everybody says? Like a dollar in my pocket and a dream in my heart. Right. And a one-way ticket. That's from Millie, right? And a cool hat. (laughs) And some comfortable shoes. And some really cool socks. Bombus socks. But we'll talk about those later. Oh, wait. Okay. And she began playing piano and writing songs in order to pay her bills. Okay. Then, really, the change... The person that she would meet next changed her life completely. It was her guardian angel. Um, not not really. Uh, but she struck up a relationship with a coal industry heiress, uh, Dorothy Fellows Golden. Sorry, Fellows Gordon or Dickie for short. Um, they were very close. In fact, their affair would be on and off for about 50 years. It said that Dickie took on her fair share of male lovers, but she always came back to Elsa. So this is the one thing I know, right? So even though these two women had like a 50-year-long loving relationship, right? Um, Romantic relationship, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, This is the thing about Elsa Maxwell. She was an outspoken opponent of like same-sex marriage. And she has several quotes saying that, you know, why get married? I belong to the world and things like that. But still. I agree, baby dot. She was wrong. (laughs) She was also, I'm not defending her, obviously. There were many uh, people in her same boat in this century. And, you know, she made the decision for her that I think a lot of people made at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Which is to, you know, stay in the closet and, in fact, so far as to speak out against it. Yeah. Right. Well, methinks she doth yeah, protest wanna... too much. Yeah. Right? Uh, that's so sad. But, I mean, that's the thing. And the thing that I think is always important when you're talking about historical figures and right. is, like, we have to take the good and the bad and we have to talk about who they were and not who we want them to be. Exactly. Yeah. It was not her claim to fame, though. The parties, oh, the parties, were was her claim to fame. Um, so through Dickie, she was able to start playing and entertaining in the homes of okay. other elite New York names, like Vanderbilts and 
Whitney's. Um, so one of the things that people always said about her when she would perform or or even just join join in at a party was that her joy and enthusiasm was infectious, right? Uh, again, here's another quote from her. Never in my life have I been depressed and never tired. Okay. That sounds like the kind of person who would put on a really great party. Yeah, who knows how much of that is like... You know, I'm I'm putting on a show, and I'm actually very tired all the time. That's <laughs> me sometimes, right? I'm going to be very on, do a live show. Wow, Travis has so much energy, and then all I want to do is like sleep for two days. Yeah. Sure, but you would like. I bet she wouldn't get hired for a lot of parties where she was like, "Yeah, sometimes all I want to do is nap." Anyways, what do you need me to do for your cool fancy party? Anyway, okay. She was so beloved. That um, many of the people that she that she did, you know, parties for or or just played at their parties ended up like seriously paying her bills. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm not to say that like she didn't get paid for her work. Right. But she would go on to say these, quote, Christmas gifts from people were really like the source of her lifestyle. Okay. I want to hear more about this. We're going to talk more about it. But first. Some thank you notes to our sponsors. This week, Schmanners is sponsored in part by HoneyBook. Listen, you do so much to make sure that your clients look good. But here's what I'm wondering. Who is helping you look good? With HoneyBook, you can take on the day knowing everything is in one place so you stay organized and always look professional. HoneyBook is an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, and invoices all in one place. With HoneyBook, you can automate your busy work. They have easy-to-use templates for emails, proposals, brochures, and invoices. Simplify your to-do list and stay in control with HoneyBook. And right now, HoneyBook is offering our listeners 50% off when you visit honeybook.com schmanners. Payment is flexible, and this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. Go to honeybook.com slash schmanners for 50% off your first year. That's honeybook.com slash schmanners. We also want to talk about Bombus. Working out is hard. It's always been hard. Even when it's easy, it's still pretty hard. Uh, listen, there. I think that there's this myth out there that there are people who like work out and they love it, but it's so hard to believe. But Bombus can't change working out. I wish they could, but they can make it more comfortable. So if you decided to get fit this year, you can start by getting socks that can keep up every step of the way. We love Bombas socks. Um, we It's one of the socks we wear the most. They're comfortable and easy to wear. Whether you're very into sports or planning on getting into sports, Bombas can help with performance socks and styles made specially for basketball, running, and more. They're made with lightweight polycotton blend. They also have supportive arches, left-right contouring, and a Y-stitched heel so they stay comfortably in place. Did you know that socks are the number one most requested item in homeless shelters? Bombas socks were created to change that. For every pair you buy, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. So, go to bombas.com slash schmanners today and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash schmanners for 20% off. Bombas.com slash schmanners. Hey, you've reached Dr. Game Show. Leave your message after the beep. 
Hello, this is Steve from Albany talking about my favorite podcast, Dr. Game Show. Dr. Game Show is a show where listeners submit their crazy ideas for game shows and the two hosts have to play them and they often bring in celebrities and small children to share in the pain and hilarity. At first it might seem like Joe Firestone has a contentious relationship with listeners, but that is only mostly true. She actually really respects us. It's a lot like Lethal Weapon where Joe is like, oh, listeners, you're all loose cannons. You're out of control. And we're like, no Firestone, you're too by the book. You forgot what it's like out there. And that's why I love the show. Listen to Dr. Game Show on Maximum Fun. New episodes every other Wednesday. Mission Control, this is Rocket Ship One. Come in, Mission Control. This is Mission Control, go ahead. We have incoming, and it looks big. Can you identify? It looks like some sort of pledge drive. Affirmative. It's Max Fun Drive. That's a verified Max Fun Drive. Countdown to Max Fun Drive is initiated. Can you project a time to intercept? Based on the current trajectory, Max Fun Drive will be here from March 16 to March 27. March 16 to March 27. Roger. Rocket Ship One, can you confirm a visual on common Max Fun Drive phenomena, such as the best episodes of the year, bonus content, and special gifts for new and upgrading monthly members? We have a visual. Great episodes, bonus content, premium gifts confirmed, and more. It sure sounds quiet down there. Mission Control, what's your status? All systems go, Rocket Ship One. Just catching up on our favorite Max Fun shows so we can tune into Max Fun Drive episodes between March 16 and March 27. Over and out. <laughs> okay, so she's doing a high society party. She's playing. They're saying, ah, you're so cool. We're going to give you Christmas gifts that are like your main income. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so, within 10 years of moving to New York City, she had risen from the funny pianist friend to now she's the main event, making the fun happen. Um, I want you to think of any themed party you have ever been to. Okay. Do you tell, want me to tell you about yes. one? Yes. Oh, that's, I guess, what I meant. Tell me about the, oh, any okay. themed party you've well, been to. Uh, I went to 80s themed parties. Um, okay. And what's especially weird to that now is that if you are a college student now, an 80s party would be like an early, like a late 1990s party, (laughs) right? Or like a 2000s party, right? Because like, if you think about it, I started college in 2002 Mm -hmm. and I went to an 80s party my first year. So that would be like, what? 2022 would be the same difference. It's, I don't care for that. (laughs) Now that I'm saying it out loud, uh, there were uh, You Are What You Drink parties where you dressed in a costume that seemed like, um, you know, a drink, an alcoholic drink. I went as gin. It was the easiest one, just a shirt with some cards on it. Um, oh, thank you. okay. Yes. Okay. Um, there were a couple like those, yes. The only themed party that I can recall other than, um, like, Halloween parties... Um, during college was a, a your favorite senior party where all the underclassmen dressed as their favorite senior and then that senior at the end of the night picked the best one the, oh. their best like doppelganger ganger like replica um, but we went to a really fun party uh, when we lived in LA we went to Harry Potter party yeah that was fun uh, you were a Death Eater yes, and I was Bellatrix Lestrange yes it we was have really we fun. have a, a I don't know an aesthetic okay 
So why do you ask? Why do you ask about these themed parties? Well, um, because this is what she was particularly famous for. Theme parties? Theme parties. I'm going to give you a couple of really fun examples. Okay, because I will say, I was actually thinking about this the other day, that this is a thing I miss. And maybe there will be other, like, 30-somethings, you know, parents with two kids who will be like, I go to theme parties all the time. But I can't remember the last time I went to some <laughs> kind of themed party. Uh, the one that really made her famous was a murder mystery party. Ooh. But here's the trick. She didn't tell anyone that it was a murder mystery party. Oh, boy. Um. So when... Her her guests came to dinner. She pretended to be worried about her house guest, uh, a young model at, of fame at the time, and grew more and more flustered. And by the time she hadn't arrived and to be seated for dinner, they gathered the guests together to search uh, Zita, was the name of the, of the model, Zita's room, to find her, quote, dead body on the bed with a bloody chest wound and everything. Okay. Naturally, people flipped out. Yeah. Um, people screamed and panicked. And while everyone was freaking out, the butler corralled the party into a room where Elsa had had called in fake detectives to uh, pin the crime of murder on the Duke of Marlborough. Okay. And then... After he had been accused of murder by these fake detectives, she said, gotcha. It was all fake. Wasn't this a fun, fun party? And everybody was was like so astounded, but they were totally cool with it. Everyone was like, yeah, that was so much fun. Must have been a different time. Because I'm <laughs> only thing is it's starting to talk to me. I'm like, I am never coming back here. <laughs> Even the paper ran, and now several of these words are in air quotes. So Mayfair party, quote, murder, girl, quote, stabbed to death. (laughs) Cool. Great. I bet that wasn't confusing at all. Well, you know, psychopathic power move or the best murder mystery dinner ever. It could be both. It could be both. Both. It sounds like both. Here's uh, You know what? I don't want to judge too hard because I think... There's a very, it's a very tricky needle to thread, but I think if she threaded it, I actually might have had fun at that party. Okay. Right? If I started We have like, to trust that she did, that I she mean, threaded I do, it. I read a lot of Agatha Christie and murder mysteries and stuff, so maybe I'd be like, okay, the game's afoot, let's do this. <laughs> I mean, when even the person that they pinned the quote murder on is like, hey, that was a great time. Sure. I get, sure. she probably did a pretty sure. good job. Sure. Anyway, she's famous for it. Here's the next one. Yeah, but a lot of people are famous for some pretty horrible stuff, honey, so that's not, like, a good benchmark. They still use famous instead of infamous. That's I fair. think that, yeah. that that gives you a clue. She um, threw the first come-as-you-are party, where invitations were sent out at all different types of day and night, and you were required to wear exactly what you were wearing when you received the invitation. Oh, okay. Yes, I have I have d- uh, done that kind of party before. But, oh, you, know, you have? I, but, I mean, it was not that elaborately said it was just like come as you are and it was like usually just like in pajamas or sleep clothes or whatever oh or there i the anything but clothes party okay i've heard of this you have to like a lot of people do like wrapped up in caution tape or i made 
clothes out of like grocery bags, garbage bag. Like I think I've seen this one on television. Yeah, probably. Uh, I also did theme parties of the get dressed up to get messed up party, where you dress in like really fancy clothes and suits and stuff, but then you do like beer pong and oh. like you know boat races and drinking games and stuff. Fun. Um, one guy even showed up with his face half smeared in shaving cream and a telephone stuck to his ear. Huh. Yeah, he people, really, people got really along. into yeah. it. They really did. And then uh, come as your opposite. Oh, so like a mirror universe, like goatee <laughs> evil person? No, uh, some of the examples were George Gershwin came as Groucho Marx, Fanny Bryce dressed as an opera character uh, Tosca, okay. Cole Porter came as a football player, Okay. and Virginia Vanderbilt dressed as Elsa Maxwell herself. Oh, that's funny. Okay. They were having some fun with it. Um, so not only were these two of her most famous parties, there's uh, the Come As You Are party uh, that I just talked about was uh, organized in the same year as Paris's largest scavenger hunt. Oh, okay. Things that were included on the list, uh, musical star uh, Miss Yet's Shoe, a black swan from the Bois de Boyong, a red pom-pom from a French seaman's hat, and and many others, um, which ended up sending uh, two people to the hospital, and uh, the wife of a British diplomat got arrested for theft by the French Navy. That's how you know it's a good party, you know? Not the hospital part, that's bad. But arrest, <laughs> no. No, in fact, you know what? I'm saying it out loud. Hospital and arrest are not signs of good party. Please don't get arrested or go to the hospital because of a party. Um, because her parties were were the hottest ticket, um, it's said that all of White Glove Society bowed to her, begging for invitations. Um, she didn't like to think that she was hired to give these parties, mm-hmm. um, and she often said that her parties were the opposite of business. Um, but if you if you wanted your party to be something that anybody who's anybody wanted to be at you had to have her plan it for you um, this is very interesting because it, it's she seems different than a lot of the people we've talked about where she seems to be kind of straddling this line between um novelty mm-hmm. and expertise right and like certainly you know what i mean like because as you're describing these parties they have an air of like wild and whimsical but i bet she was also like you know, executing them expertly and like really nailing it and stuff, or because just having a cool concept doesn't make for a super fun party. Exactly. She wasn't. Uh, she wasn't known for her etiquette. Uh, if if I can put more words with air quotes around them, her quote etiquette, um, because she it wasn't about the kind of like stuffy, haughty, mm-hmm. white tie only charity ball type stuff right. that that people of the day were doing. Um but what she did was as ho- as hosting these parties would prove, she m- made sure that everybody had a great time. Yeah. Well, that's the, it it seems like she had to focus on fun and activities and frivolity and not and maybe it's because she didn't come from like a super as you said like white glove upbringing 
that she was like, well, let's have fun. Like, it's not just about showing off, right? It's about making sure everyone's having a good time. And it's weird to think that that was so revolutionary at the time. Yeah. But I bet lots of these, like, high society parties were just showing off of, like, look how lavish a party I can throw. And you get there and be like, oh, yeah, you spent a lot of money on this champagne or whatever, and I'm bored. Yeah. I'm bored. There's nothing to do. And she was like, well... Maybe it's not about how much money you spend on the champagne. It's about thinking about will your guests enjoy the party? Which is kind of the ultimate etiquette anyway, right? right? Yeah. It's not about like showing off. It's about like everybody having fun and everybody being involved. So um, she would allegedly throw over 3,000 parties. Sounds uh, like me in college. Hey, <laughs> I didn't throw that many. I, that's not true. We did, we did have a lot of parties. We have parties, uh, let's see, Thursday nights, Friday nights, Saturday nights, and Sunday nights. Wow. Um, then we took Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday off. Most, well, to recover. Most of the time. Or just to go out to bars. <laughs> <laughs> you and I have very different college experiences. Listen, the University of Oklahoma Theater School in 2002, 2006 was a party school. I don't know what to tell you. Travis McElroy was there. No, it was not me. I didn't throw <laughs> most of those. It was the real reason for two years of it was much like you're talking about like a hostess. There was a house that like five guys lived in that was like right next to campus and it was like huge and had like a big back porch and stuff. So they hosted a lot of parties there. I see. And her, she was throwing these parties from the 1910 to the 1960s. Uh-huh. Um, it wasn't just her parties that were lavish. Uh, her lifestyle became more and more lavish. I told you about these, quote, Christmas gifts. Yeah. Gosh, how many, how many air quotes am I going to use in a podcast? Well, there's a lot of euphemisms here. There are. We could oh. make it. We could make a game out of that. <laughs> I'm, it's also occurring to me now that if it was 1910 to 1960, she definitely was throwing some parties during Prohibition that I bet were fun as I'll get out. Right? <laughs> I bet there were some legit speakeasy parties. Not like I bought some stuff at Michael's to make a speakeasy party, but literally like a speakeasy with like secret codes and stuff. You know that was fun. Yeah, I bet yeah, she had yeah. a great time. Totally. Um, she released her own perfume line, uh, which was the most expensive on the market at the time. At $40 an ounce. That's a lot okay. for 1900s. Uh, the perfume was named Joy. Oh, that's nice. She was a columnist for the New York Post. She wrote about politics and parties, of course. Uh -huh. um, she was also a regular on Jack Parr's talk show, where she was often introduced as the orphan Annie of the Waldorf. Oh. I mean, she did live at the Waldorf for a while, um, but... She was usually traveling uh, because, you know, her parties took place all over the world. Yeah. She even dubbed herself Europe's pioneer press agent. Oh, okay. She would say this because um, she takes the credit for um, feeding tourism in Venice by suggesting that they host a regatta. She also takes the credit for telling the Prince of Monaco to get beachfront property to draw more people to the country. Okay, yes. Um, and one of these these Christmas gifts I was talking about um, comes from a an anecdote that they tell when Elsa's mother died. A group of er uh, aristocratic ladies were talking about how sorry they felt for her uh, when one said that she admitted to giving Elsa $5,000 for the funeral. 
And then every other woman at the table also said that they had given her $5,000 for the funeral. Well, okay. All right. Yeah. Make that money. Right. Yeah. Always on the honor grind, as they say. I appreciate that. Um, so here's, here's the thing, right? She really was the pioneer of like mixing people that we talked about, you know, like the inclusion, inclusion, right? People who were performers, people who were celebrities, people, royal people, things like that. Um, and People still, even though she was famous for her parties, they wanted to get to know her individually. I wonder if you can hear that on the mic. Is that baby, it's is so that baby cute. snoring? She's snoring. Okay. Aww. I couldn't tell if she was snoring or farting. No. Snoring. Okay. Snoring. Um, here's another anecdote. Um, one of her friends said that she was visiting... Elsa having tea at her apartment uh, when Marilyn Monroe dropped by. Okay. And Marilyn was like five hours late, but kept calling every 20 to 30 minutes uh, saying that she was on her way. Okay. (laughs) Okay, Marilyn. I guess you can be forgiven because you are Marilyn Monroe. Yes. Uh, In 1954, she wrote an alluring autobiography called RSVP about all of her grand adventures, some of which were probably embellished, like I've said before. Uh, What are you going to do? And in 1957, she released her grand party manifesto, How to Do It or The Lively Art of Entertaining. Oh, I bet that's fun. I bet that's a great book. It was a hit for the same reason that we're talking about her. It really went against conventional etiquette. All the advice that she gave, things like, should a party, if you're going to have a party, shouldn't you have a good time instead of worrying about all of the rules that you're supposed to have? Um, So one example that she listed was that in some of her parties in Europe, she changed the dinner hour from eight to 10 um, because she thought that the moon looked nicer, right? Okay. It was just kind of a... If someone told me, come to my party, we're having dinner at 10 p.m., I'd be like, I'm already in bed. <laughs> I'm not. what are you in talking about? In other parts of the world, dinner is served very late. Even 8 p.m. seems late to me. Well, I like to have my dinner at 6. I'm in bed by 7. <laughs> Let's party. Isn't it funny? You have spent, a toddler. You're not in bed at seven. I know, but I've spent so much of this episode talking about like all the theme parties and partying I did in college, and I'm like, 10 p.m.? Are you kidding me? Well, gross. Yeah. Um, it's almost like I'm not as oh, young as I used to be. Almost. Yeah. Almost like you're an old man. Uh, old weird. dad. Old dad. Uh, it was filled to the brim with recipes from Dickie, from famous chefs, um, high society members, even the editor of Vogue. Oh, wow. She passed away in 1963, and uh, according to her, she had no regrets. She says, if I knew I were to die tomorrow, I'd want my epitaph to be, I die happy, for I was born gay, and my life was has been glorious, transcendently magical, and full of glamour. 
That's very ironic, by the way. The beginning of that statement, I was born gay, which she definitely meant happy at that time, right? right. That was what was used for happy. Yes, but the irony of that... It is, it, it is slightly ironic, yeah. I would say. Uh, that's very interesting. She's very interesting. Thank you, Matt Selby, for telling us uh, that we should talk about Elsa Maxwell. Um Hey, so next week, folks, next week is going to start the Max Fun Drive. Uh, and you know what? I'm just going to tell you, if you're listening to this, the next episode is going to be all about chivalry, which is mind-boggling to me that we've never talked about that, because that seems... I think that we may have mentioned it in several yeah, different I, episodes, but never we, all together. The fact we've never done an episode on it, when that was, it seems like such a big historical topic about, like, and something people always talk about, like, is chivalry dead? Well, we'll talk about it. Uh, and it's also your chance during Max Fun Drive to support the shows you love, like Schmanners, and get rewarded for it. Uh, you can check out Max. Well, you'll find out. You'll, you'll find you'll out. You'll find out. And we'll tell you all about the rewards, but just know that's coming up. Keep a weather eye on the horizon. Exactly. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at SchmannersCast. And that's where we get all of our questions for our, when we uh, have topics that take your questions. Uh, and you can email us, schmanderscast at gmail.com. Email your topic suggestions to that address, um, and we would love to give you a shout-out on the show. What else, Teresa? Thank you to Brent Brentelfloss Black for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are sold, found, <laughs> sold and found. Yeah. Thank you to... Uh, Kayla M. Wassel, there it is, for our Twitter thumbnail art. Thank you to Bruja Betty Pinup Photography for our cover picture of the Fan Run Facebook group, uh, which you should join. It's a place where you can give and get excellent advice from other fans. Um, also, you know, listen to all those other Max Fun shows. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Maximum Fun, for being our podcast. Go check out all the other amazing Max Fun shows. Thank you to Alex as well. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Alex, our researcher, for helping us get all this information organized. Uh, and that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners. Schmanners. Get it. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.